Side. Got some quiet time, and I'm making it happen. Let me tell you, it feels freaking great. I'm BK. I'll be your host for the time being. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate you guys pressing play. Appreciate the support from the bottom of my heart. Let's roll. I wrote the outline of this podcast on the way out to Florida with my family a couple months ago, as as my gym hit its tenth year mark, and since it just seems like we've all been executing on all cylinders and when i mean all like not just my company um like the whole world like everyone's just in a big rush to get back to where things left off and you know projects are getting finalized and at least for me the I had to push this podcast aside, uh, and, but I've had the itch. Like, I love this shit. I can't lie. Like, this has been on my mind for at least three full months, and I don't believe in coincidence I, at all. I believe everything happens for a reason. I think you, you know, you jive on your own frequency, you attract others, all that, all that stuff. But um, I woke up this morning to a text a text reminding me that 20 years ago today, May 27th, 2001, I found myself in the passenger seat of a stolen sports car. <laughs> it's a fucking text, right? Just out of nowhere, you get something that's like, boom. So here we go. Cleared my uh, schedule and said, uh, I'm going to take 20, 30 minutes and, and do this. Today's the day. Because I, I remember, like going back to that text, I remember specifically looking over at that speedometer just as we hit the 100 pr- miles per hour mark. Because those triple digits, it triggered me to strap up. Like, dude, put your seatbelt on. And it was the first time I ever tasted the combination of fear and endorphins in the back of my throat. And, and if you look it up, they actually have a distinct taste. It's from like a chemical reaction, right? Within a fraction of a blink of an eye, the traffic out of nowhere came to a dead stop. And, well, maybe out of, maybe not out of nowhere, right? We probably weren't paying attention. We were in a stolen sports car. But the 16-wheel truck that was on the side, it was it was at arm's length away, right? That's what I remember. And, and I closed my eyes, and I was thinking of my college professor at Eastern Illinois, this dude, he liked me. Like, he was a cool dude. He liked me, but he was hard on me. He was like a coach. And he he told me one day, life is like playing chicken with a Mack truck. If nothing changes, nothing changes. And it sounds simple enough, but change, like that word, it's the most underutilized precursor and paradox of life. It's It's kind of like the bloodline of growth. So I, I ask myself, like, why did I, or why do we, like all of us do it, why do we sabotage our own ability to grow? And like, look, there's a lot of scientific reasons out there why. Like for the first million years of existence, our developed brain, or maybe our underdeveloped brain, I should say, was just scanning for threat. Like that's what it was designed specifically for, to read patterns to simply survive. 
like eat or be eaten type shit. But I'm not here to talk about like the theoretical science behind that. Like that can be used as an excuse. The truth is I was being infiltrated by the disease of domestication. And, you know, there's no, there's no like journals published on disease of domestication. Obviously I I just kind of made that up, but domestication, it's, it's the road with the least amount of resistance. And at least to the naked eye, like, the road most traveled is safe and sound. But what most people find out is that in the long run, it comes with some heavy consequences because it's just surviving and anyone can just survive. It's here. I want to look something up. What is the definition of survive? All right. Okay. A definition of survive. It says, it defines it as a continued to live or exist, in, especially in spite of danger or hardship. But the way I see it, if, if you overcome danger or hardship, surviving is just the beginning. It's what you do with that continued existence that defines future and defines who you become along the way. And like I said, I wrote the outline on this podcast on a flight to Marco Island it was it was great. It was an awesome flight because like I was had to concept I didn't have to do anything, but I was conceptualizing like how in the hell our team hit the decade mark already. So that flight, it, it allowed me to uncover some gems. So I guess what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna talk to you about things I've uncovered about change. And most of these are gonna be from experience, some I've heard in passing. Many I'm still practicing, all of them I do believe are true. Like, these aren't just mine because I can't own the truth, right? But you can own the process or what some like to call the the road less traveled. Here we go. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Episode nine, let's roll with this. It's kind of a complicated subject. I tell most people that start in the weight room, on that journey for whatever they're looking for, growth and change will always be combated by the notion that you might fall flat on your face. And and I tell them, it's not just you. It's a universal way of thinking. That's science. That's how our brains are wired. I'm over that. Like I just said it, right? I feel like I always talk about this. Fear of the unknown is going to happen. And and without a doubt, it's it's up to us on how we deal with this fear. This fear will dictate our, I guess, the venture, right? And our destiny. The reoccurring theme is this, at least for me, that hard work will always get you to advance. That hard work will get you to taste something different, right? That hard work and dedication and discipline will get you seeing the world through a different lens, which will eventually create opportunity. But here's the thing. It's only the self-image and the self-belief and self-concept that'll get you to the ultimate prize of satisfaction. The image I had for myself 20 years ago when I was in that stolen sports car, it never matched up to what I wanted to accomplish. Because a man nor a woman will never be able to consistently perform in a matter that is inconsistent with the way he or she sees themselves. And you will find success every now and again, and I did. But if you want to find consistent success, 
You had to believe you deserve consistent success. And I never believed I deserved satisfaction. I dwelled too much on what I wasn't instead of utilizing what I was. I fell in the domestication trap and started comparing myself to others financially and materialistically, academically and athletically. It was like I fell victim of poor motherfucking me mentality and coddled myself in an average at best mindset. We're all in our own heads. And up to this day, I still am. But it's it's how we deal with these domesticated voices that ultimately pave the outcomes. And when I say domesticated, like the domesticated voices, I mean these comforting choices that disable growth. I think we talked about this before, but you can't grow in comfort. Comfort is the fucking enemy. And once you find inspiration in suffering and being primal and having clear and compelling visions with actions that match and correspond, well, that's when you start putting consistent dents in the universe. That's when others start replicating and providing toward rather than taking from. I do believe I just made up domestication, like the disease of domestication, right? I think I just said that. But being primal, that exposes and justifies this theory. Because by removing all the bullshit from my body, the inflammation, the toxins, the barriers that fog my brain, like I feel a completely different person. One that wants to unleash hell on a daily basis. And I don't want to tell anybody what to do. So I'll just use myself as an example. So I want to give myself natural and earned confidence. Letting my body work off its own fat for preserved energy, it, it's taken me to heights that I never even knew existed. And I never knew I was capable of. And that's the number one reason why I choose to fast. I don't fast for body images. I fast because I will not fall victim of domestication. I am not looking for comfort, especially through food. Comfort leads to the messenger of misery. And when the messenger comes, chances are you will not be ready to handle that fucking storm. Did you know that we are the only species that eat based on emotions? Like happy we eat, sad eat, anxious we eat, bored we eat. Crazy. I think I heard that dogs do that shit too. Oh no. But let's get a couple things straight about fasting. This isn't going to be all about fasting, I don't think. Well, let's see where it goes. When you decide to fast, you're committing to the hunt. You are putting your brain and body into a realm beyond survival mode. Your central nervous system, it heightens, which means hyper-awareness, hyper-strength, and hyper-focus. These aren't my rules. This is what happens on a biochemistry level when your brain and body have no barriers of lost connection. When your receptors are free and clear to handle what we're supposed to be able to handle. Like we're supposed to be able to deal with emotions head on. And we're a lot fucking stronger than we think. But for some reason, we feel we need to be coddled in every situation. The victim role is overplayed. And what happens, you know, in my humblest opinion, of course, like, is that because we are so used to being treated with sympathy 
when we try to grow or change or advance or whatever you want to call it, and shit goes a bit south, man, we're quick to wave that white flag. We are human beings. We're like the cream of the crop of all species. Like We're supposed to be able to adapt to the notion that failing does not make us a failure. That being coddled for every bad thing that happens in your life makes you weaker, not stronger. Like We're supposed to know that. I've never heard anyone ask me, yo, BK, like, how do I get weaker? You want to know how to get weaker? Here's your blueprint. Tell yourself you're going to do all these things and never do one of them. Make excuses why it didn't happen. Blame circumstances. Start critiquing others. And there you go. That's, that's when you get weak. No extra charge. That's the blueprint. The fucked up thing is you don't need to take time to learn this. Like this happens organically through fasting. Your body and mind have a seamless connection and answers are revealed. It's like they're revealed for the taking. You're at a completely different level of perceiving consciousness. And it all just makes sense. Being a human being is something that we should all be proud of. That's something that we all have in common. We have the ability to to stand up tall, walk with posture, be kind, love, athletic, competent, and to be a complete badass when necessary. Here's the thing. The quickest and most efficient way to gain confidence and go on the hunt is by putting your mind and body in the state of to thrive instead of just simply surviving. Staying hungry. It's a hard thing to do, especially when comfort lurks around every corner and every cabinet and every refrigerator. Accessories are not commodities. Look, I've been in this business a long time. Like I see it. I started off. Maybe we should go back. Human beings, we all visualize. We all have the capability of imagining and dreaming. But the thing is, the majority will never get there because they will never fully commit to being disciplined enough to make sacrifices to get where they want to be. They don't want it bad enough. They say they want it, but the bed is warm. The couch is comfy. Having a dad bod nowadays is cool and sliding through life without making waves is easy. You don't have to believe in yourself to simply survive. Doing more than simply existing is based on putting yourself out there and being vulnerable to judgment and failure. Like we talked about this before, self-doubt is a dream killer. Self-doubt is paralyzing and gets you in weird situations with the wrong people and you end up in a smashed up stolen sports car. Self-doubt makes you soft. You're in the stands judging, surrounded by the same level of conscious bullshit instead of in the arena slaying fucking dragons. What do you really know about the man or the woman in the arena? Like, what do you really know about that person in the arena? The man or the woman that is viewed through the lens of the public and being watched for every mistake being made. They know they will be judged, heckled, critiqued. But they continue to show up regardless, regardless of the weather, regardless of how they feel, regardless of what they what they're being paid. They are their own gladiator and they are on the hunt by any means necessary is a universal model. 
even if judgment pierces through that armor, it only stings a little bit because they're focused. And that right there is the price we all must pay for growth, for change. But the thing is, a real cool things happen. Every time you step in the arena, you gain instincts. And these instincts collected over time are your arsenal of weapons for the next combat. And eventually you start putting on masterpieces of performances. Your performances become fluid and loose. Comfortable under chaos is a beautiful thing. But you got to get in that arena. You got to get used to taking losses on the chin. You have to learn the discomforting feeling of pressure. Remember, the majority of the people that are in the arena slaying dragons right now were once in the stands watching. And that's what it's all about. You go in there and you pay respect to those that did before while you're passing the torch, the ability of hope. Our ultimate creation is to level everyone around us up. And if that means people are copying you or stealing ideas, so fucking be it. You are contributing beyond yourself. And ultimately, your competition becomes your ally. They, without knowing it, keep you sharp and keep you pushing the envelope. They keep you in that arena. But you guys are all worked up about people copying you. Man, some of you dudes just got to loosen up them tight jeans and unleash them primal stones, man. Because conflict delayed is conflict multiplied. If you decompose what people mean when they say they want to be happy, what it turns out is they actually mean they they don't want to be miserable. They're way more concerned with avoiding suffering than they are pursuing enthusiastic, positive emotions. It's like everything has a cost. And sitting in the stands might seem safe, but let me tell you, there's a dragon right around the corner that is growing stronger by the day ready to check those that cry excuses. Excuses of why not and said, why this is going to work. I don't have time to work out. Fuck off. Get out of here with that bullshit. Somewhere down the chutes and ladders, you become domesticated like a fucking lapdog and bullshitted yourself by creating a bullshit perspective that work is so long, hot, stressful, and outright hard. And that justifies why you don't make it into the gym afterwards. Here's a gut check. We all deal with bullshit every day. But don't be mad at me for saying this. Because I do the same shit. The only difference is that I check my ass real quick. Or at least a whole hell of a lot quicker than I once did. Because every hard step put forth provides an additional layer of thickness. Like armor. But every step backwards, it weakens that barrier. That's the philosophy of being primal. Actually, the philosophy is, let's call it hard to kill. And I don't necessarily mean like life or death type shit, but, well, maybe. But let's say hard to kill resilience. But you ain't changing what you don't refuse to tolerate. And being primal exposes the comfort that everyone lives. And it becomes super clear why so many take their dreams with them to the grave. I'm going to say that again. We only change the thing in our lives that we absolutely refuse to tolerate. 
And to that same person that expresses they don't have time to work out, the odds are against you not changing, my friend. You're soft. You're comfortable. You lack the ability to combat resistance. But the most vital reason why is that you don't believe you truly earn change. I know change sounds attractive to you. It sounds awesome because it is. Change and variety is one of the six human needs in life that we are so attracted to. The problem is change doesn't offer immediate gratification. It takes time. It takes reps. It takes skin in the game. It takes the ability to earn it. So you quit. You justify why it didn't work or why it won't work. And you go back to the same shit, the same decisions, ultimately live the same life, viewing, critiquing, and throwing shit at others from the stands. And I know this because that was my ass 20 years ago. When reality is exposed, it's quite common to sink into fear and right back into domestication. When reality is exposed... It's like our God-given mind formulates this awesome idea. We start visualizing and imagining the awesomeness that could conspire, and we build the nerve to test the waters. Then get exposed to reality, and bam, our brain does two things. It looks too far ahead, exposing that immediate gratification is a lot further away than expected, and then your brain starts justifying your retreat. All because of your past failures. We all have different survival instincts. But honestly, you never know how strong you actually are until being strong is the only choice. Like, I I know the feel of heartbreak. I know the feel of embarrassment, the feeling of guilt, weak, being broke, being just being a fucking loser. And there's no escaping this. For me... There's no trick in forgetting these past feelings when, when I was at my lowest. Because I take these past feelings and I stick them to the, my big-ass shoulders and never let them go. These are mine. I've earned them. If they dissipate, they rid themselves on their own time, not forced out of my mind like others might say to do. Fuck that. Sometimes having a chip on your shoulder is not only justifiable, but almost necessary to compete in life. I combat fear of the past with action and maybe not as head on as I'd like to, but there's always an answer somewhere in movement. The action of doing things I don't necessarily want to do, but know they need to be done to compete at the highest level. These past feelings and emotions are now my fuel as the push needed to do more and see more. And like we say, we ultimately provide more. I'm basically proving to myself that I'm a game opponent and I'm down for that. I treat my inner domesticated voice as a competitor fighting for space in between my own two ears. And very few people, they they'll finish what they start because they simply don't trust themselves with the desired outcome. They don't believe they earned it. They start questioning themselves, their choices, and their ability to rebound after a setback. They start listening to others in lower frequency, which typically takes more effort than just applying it towards the goal they're they're looking for. It's what one does to manage their thoughts and ideas that ultimately define destiny. Reframing events and situation is a high level. 
And the workshop to get better is only through application. Well, maybe I'm just over the top. I'm too much. And I hear that from people. But let me tell you, those aren't my people. Nobody has to agree with this way of thinking. There might be other ways to go about and succeed and have a great manufactured life without fasting, without taking ice baths, without waking up early, without grinding in the weight room. I don't know, but it's just not me. My living is in the journey. I'm happiest in the attempts to produce and create. I can feel it. The philosophy of being a student of life is based around instincts needed to break through like different levels of consciousness. Leveling up is not for the complacent. The struggle builds instincts. And instincts, let me tell you, they're the ones that tell you how to finish that fight. Putting yourself in uncomfortable position trains the mind and the body how to adapt when it's necessary to adapt. Not sure what rabbit hole I went down, but I guess to dial it back a little bit and to wrap things up, you know, I put here in my notes what I would tell myself, you know. How about this? If I was able to speak to any 18-year-old person out there about change, I'd first tell the little motherfucker to posture up. Find a way to change the situation and circumstances based around your strengths. Like start defining hopes and dreams and visions on your terms. Because finding your North Star is the key to happiness. Because most people who win are in tune and know themselves the best. What makes you tick? What makes you smile and feel excited and nervous at the same time? Because once you don't give a shit about all your flaws through the lenses of others' opinions, you'll find all the success you'll ever need. That's when you'll start to win. Here's the thing before I call a day on this mic because I got to roll. There are no salary caps or career limits to those that lead others to great heights of success. Because these people, they're just... They're just too damn valuable. And to lead, you need to have faith in yourself. You need to develop instincts that transpire into confidence. Instincts. Remember, instincts finish the fight. Episode 9, nothing changes, nothing changes. Peace. Bring that shit in.